Welcome to In The Making. I'm your host, Katie Stewart, founder of Cheyenne Studio. Today, I have two guests, founders of We The Birds, Sarah and Natalie Knowlton. Together, they own We The Birds Macarons, a luxury bake shop for custom and designer pastries. Hey, Katie. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you both have a couple of brands. You have We The Birds, the blog, and then you have We The Birds Macarons, which you started recently, where you make really beautiful, really delicious looking pastries. Yes. I want to ask you how you got started first with your lifestyle blog and then transitioned that into your pastry brand. Sure. Um, I mean, it was definitely an organic process. I don't think Nellie and I thought we would be doing a French macaron bakery when we started We The Birds. Um, But that's kind of the beauty of like, we, okay, so we basically wanted to do a create, something creative. Natalie moved to Dallas in 2015 and joined me here. We both had full-time jobs, but we were looking for a creative outlet. And so Sarah came up with the idea of doing some sort of a blog because that was kind of we were hit that second wave of bloggers in 2015, I'd yes. say. Yeah. And I always just loved fashion. I was, I worked for Neiman Marcus. So it kind of made sense that we would like land in like the fashion and lifestyle side of things. And There's something nice about having two of us. Like we both had different styles. So if somebody doesn't like my style, maybe they'll like Sarah's style. So that, right. was, that was exciting to us to be able to show, you know, the different sides of our personality and our style and try to, you know, relate to more people. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also think, um, so the name We the Birds came from, we had a really transient upbringing. So we started calling ourselves birds because we were always in flight, moving over 17 times before we hit college. So that is kind of a nod. The name is a nod to that transient upbringing and kind of global perspective. Yeah. So we, we started the blog and we were just kind of like trucking away on that, creating content. Um, my background's creative. So it was kind of like a a natural, I, I could take all of the photos and kind of direct our brand imagery and whatnot. Yeah, and, and Sarah did an amazing job right off the bat of just branding ourselves. Um, and obviously we did, like Sarah said, everything in-house. So she created the website and we kind of um, almost immediately felt like there's just overwhelming support from the Dallas community. And we felt really lucky in that. Um, I think, again, because we weren't maybe in the New York or the LA um, atmosphere where we were probably just going to be a number because it was a bit more oversaturated. Right. Um, in Dallas, you know, the, I guess the blogger influencer kind of world was pretty small. And so we were a big part of that kind of rise in 2015. And, um, we, we were, I think we didn't expect that. No, we yeah. didn't expect to have such a like exciting kind of overwhelming, um, response from Dallas. And, and to be able to establish a brand uh, anyway, all this to say, like, I don't think we like really foresaw that the, the brand man. would be what it is today. Um, and anyway, trying to get to, we kind of organically started. Natalie is a big foodie. So she, and she loved to make French macarons. That was, and there's kind of a story behind that too. But it was really just for me, it was a challenge. I was in accounting and finance while Sarah was in design, graphic design for Neiman Marcus. And um, for me, cooking and baking was an outlet for me when I came home. So I was on this like macaron kick because A, they're gluten-free and right. I'm gluten-free. And B, I was just like, determined to master the recipe because I was like, why is it that everywhere I go, they all taste different. Sometimes you just like 
have a craving for that one that you had that was so delicious. And the other times you're like, wow, I cannot believe I spent my money on that. Right. So it became just this challenge. And I would uh, take pictures of them because they're pretty sometimes. Well, and they're a bitch to make. So they are <laughs> now. It's just in, in that itself. In the nature of, yeah. So, uh, you know, as we were starting our blog and whatnot, Natalie would make these French macarons from her kitchen. And I was like, take pictures of these. This is great content. We post it. And then um, suddenly we started having people ask, oh, where can I get them? And I immediately was like, oh, no, no, you, you can't. And then Sarah was like, oh yeah, you can. I was like, we're going to LLC that shit and start (laughs) baking out of our house. And sure enough, you know, we just kind of started with custom orders and that was kind of nice because it kept it small. And Natalie, as Natalie was kind of figuring out if she was even confident enough to sell them, we just sort of started small in that way. And I mean, I, and I, I helped, Sarah's married and she was and so she also has a skill that she could do freelance. So she was able to leave her full-time job when things started picking up on the, you know, the sponsored post side of content creation for Be The Birds and um, in the macaron side, she was able to leave her full-time job and do more freelance and do We The Birds. Whereas I was single, am single, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and kind of concerned about money. So I was like, you know what, Sarah, I'm going to have to keep hustling and doing this when I come home from work. So it was a struggle for the first two years, I'd say. Um, and it really wasn't until, and again, we're also baking, I'm baking for my home kitchen and the demand was rising, which was, again, I think what's so beautiful about businesses in general, that start from such an organic place. is like, you know, instead of us building this business model out and, and, you know, putting together a pitch for investors or something like that without having any knowledge of the, the market, we actually were just in responding. responding to the market and kind of seeing, okay, wait, there is a demand here and this is cool. And we were able to kind of tweak that from our home kitchen environment under this uh, Texas cottage food law for the first, you know, really almost the first Two three years, years actually, yeah. three and a half years. Yeah. How did that work? So you basically went from doing the blog to making mm-hmm. these macarons on the side to people kind of wanting them and seeing them on your blog. How did you start to do that transition from just taking a few custom orders to see how it goes to really diving into it on a more large scale Scale, level and getting all the necessary like approvals and licenses and all all the things that have to go into selling food that you probably didn't know about (laughs) beforehand. Totally. Uh, Well, you nailed it. We didn't know a lot (laughs) of it. Um, You know, I would say that it's a twofold answer. I think that there's a lot of listening to your gut. And I know that sounds just so unsigned, un, you know, sophisticated, yeah. but, but the reality is, you know, there is, there's going to be that internal conflict depending on how risk averse or risk, you know, uh, what your risk appetite is, it depends. But for me and Sarah, I would say we both had a bit of a risk aversion because we didn't have entrepreneurial parents. This was not something that was supported necessarily. The people we surrounded ourselves with were not entrepreneurs. So it was scary, I would say. Yeah. Um, but what, what we did was we just kept doing our crafts. And um, we kept doing it. And I think the more you do something, the more consistently you do it, like making the macarons and, and creating our content and putting ourselves out there, the more confidence you have. Ultimately, you well, know, there and, would be periods again, when you have, when you start to like, kind of, we, were, we were touching on this right before, but when the demand is hitting in such a way that you're like, we're fucking maxed out of right. our oven at our house. That really was the point that in was which we point. looked at each other and we said, do we want to keep this? Small, as a hobby, as a hobby, keep it out of our house. Or, I mean, do we respond to the m- demand and do we think that we have a model that can succeed on a larger scale? Correct. And we, it was when the momentum was, was going and, and it wasn't just like, oh, we had a one or two busy weeks during holiday. It was like this consistent demand rise. 
And we were like, okay, we have this momentum right now. Do we maximize on this or do we just kind of like temper it and pull it down? So we just looked at each other when both were ready. We were like, let's do this. Yeah. Oh, we didn't, again, to your point, at that point when we said, let's do this, we had no clue what we were saying. What we were saying <laughs> let's do something. Yeah. 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 So that's like, where we started looking at In our minds, it was like, let's get a commercial kitchen and fucking scale. But little did we know that that was going to be a year and a half long process Correct. of finding a space, building out the kitchen, getting a loan. It's not cheap to build out a commercial kitchen. But genuinely, it was double our budget. And we had like, you know, we had consulted with people in the industry and then people in construction. And then when push came to shove and we were ready to find the contractor and pay the bills, we we're like, oh, that's double yeah. what we expected. So, so there was a lot of just when you get a but when you when you put together a budget, just be like, I'm just gonna go double that. Just double it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for anything, I, I find that too for pretty yeah, much yeah. anything in life. It's yeah. all your advice what you want it to be. <laughs> it is. It, yeah. We Sarah and I, I think we both are just such. We're so like, we both are doers. We're both creative in our own right, and we and we're both, you know smart in different, in, in different ways. So I think there was this element of, oh, well, we're going to, um, you know, maybe we can beat the norm of, mm-hmm. oh, you know, startups take five years to break even or startups three, you know, years. three years, whatever it is. But the reality is there's a reason that that is a historical kind of mark. It's, and it's not, it has nothing to do with your abilities or your intelligence or your performance. Or your performance. It's really about just, you have to see the brand at work or the business at work in, in like in the that element to, to really kind of tweak and, and to, to change things, you cannot you cannot foresee what you're gonna uh, with how the market's gonna react and how what circumstances are gonna be thrown your way. And I don't even know if it's more for us. It hasn't really been a market thing. Also, learning how to produce on that scale, just just the the ins and outs Training of employees. scaling and managing employees, and I don't know taxes and like accounting, <laughs> like, you know, all the things that you just have to fucking figure it out. And to your point, certifications are endless. It's like just as soon as you think you figured it all out, you've got you know you have to do things on. And this is, you know, we, you do a lot on the federal level, the FDA, um, then the state level, yeah. and then there's the and city there's level. City. And I mean, that's that can change. If I was like two blocks the other way, it might be different. So that was really fun figuring out if I well, needed the grease cap or if I didn't need the grease cap. It's know? actually really similar to what's going on with Corona, you know, with the COVID, where Correct. it's like you have the federal saying one thing, and then the city, and then the and then the the, 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 yeah. the state. It's so. That's kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. So everybody has laws. Nobody knows where to find the laws. You like Google to figure out if you're doing it right. And then, you know, you might get a random email being like, are you doing this thing? And you're like, I don't know what that thing is. (laughs) And you know what else I will say Sarah and I are good at is humility. Like, I am not afraid to ask questions anymore. Like, I am not, I'm not going to sit there and pretend when that health inspector shows up that I know exactly what I'm doing. Like, the first thing that, I mean, I did was I was like, you know, she's kind of writing notes quietly and I'm like, well, tell me like, you know, how are we doing? Like, what is, you know, and then she kind of explained one thing that we were doing wrong with our labeling. And I was like, okay, this is good to know. This is our first inspection. Like as long as I'm transparent with the girl, you know, she understood. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it's been fun. It's been, I'm learning, well, we're learning a lot. It's constant challenge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah always evolving. So when yes. it comes to actually making the pastries, what yeah. is that process? Because I think beyond like all the business challenges and trying mm-hmm. to find a physical space and get the right licenses, you're making a really complicated product. So what is your baking process and what goes into creating your final product? Yeah. Well, um, I'll talk a little bit about product and then I'll kind of nod to Sarah because I think that there's a huge element of it that's um, the marketing of it. And that's the, mm-hmm. that's the beauty of Sarah's, uh, Sarah's skill set. But I think making macarons in general is... What? Talk about the production. Okay. Well, the production, <laughs> but, I mean, okay. So macarons, French, French macarons, is, their main ingredients are 
um, almond flour, which is what makes it naturally gluten-free, almond flour, egg whites, and sugar. And so it's essentially, you, you start off by making a meringue. and Which you, is why it's such a, a challenging product what? because why? the meringue is hard to get right. Well, but um, you, let me, yeah. So Sarah hasn't quite learned the baking part yet, but <laughs> yeah. So you make a meringue, you fold in your almond flour and confectioner uh-huh, sugar mixture. On. No, it's okay. She's not wrong. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Anyway, uh, and then you, um, the folding process, I mean, it's kind of funny because I max out at a certain batch level, which is 200 shells. Cause I'm not strong enough to physically fold more. So I make, and that's why I think another thing to note is that small batch macarons is there's a reason that they are made in small batches because it's truly the best way to get the best quality of your product. Um, and to be able to have the highest quality ingredients and just kind of like, you know, be able to maintain that quality. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm off on a tangent. Sorry. Right. So you make the, um, macronage, which is when you fold in your dry mix to your meringue, and then you put it in a piping bag and you individually pipe out little circles on a mat. Um, and all of this, like what she's talking about <laughs> takes what, and then after that, you um, you let them leave them out think, to dry for an hour, and then you to, put them in the oven for another twenty just, minutes. Do we really want all of these okay, fine. details? It, it's just like <laughs> so you make the shells, and then you pipe the fillings, and then you usually would be done. But then we decided because we're crazy that we were going to hand paint each and every one of them, or add some sort of a decorative element because we just thought that makes it special. So you take something labor intensive and then you double the labor by adding in that human element of hand painting or something like that. But I will say that we filled like a niche market here and that's what makes our macarons, I think, stand out. There's not a lot of people in our space that's competing with us, except for if you consider like maybe a sugar cookie that's decorated, that would be kind of a comparable thing. Yeah. But we always, I always laugh because, you know, sometimes people, you know, shudder at the price of a French macaron in general. And then, you know, which by the way, ours average like three to three fifty a piece, which is not not horrible. We've really Natalie's two fifty at at Whole Foods frozen. She's she's very conscious about this. The I'm like, let's charge seven dollars a fucking cookie because I see sugar <laughs> cookies out there, and I just like to make the point when you make a sugar cookie, you're just throwing you know a, a bunch of them. You do like one big ass batch and throw them into the sheet pan, like on the sheet yeah. pan, and throw them in, and then you paint them macarons you have a two-hour process minimum of just making the max before you can even get to the product you know to the post production which we call the decorating you know part so it just even just to make like a hundred max it's going to take minimum four hours you know yeah uh yeah so yeah but yeah, we and and okay, just to clarify, we didn't think about any of that shit when we were scale, you know, initially. Yeah, we loosely kind of like had some of those numbers and our model and whatnot. But then as we got into the space and we were, you know, baking on that larger scale and whatnot, then we started to really look at like, okay, what are our margins based on the labor? Because that really was a kind of unknown. Yeah, and I will say like that's I think most businesses are that start from nothing or that that are unless you're you know you're mimicking something that already exists. Like there is no rule book to your point. Like you can't Google, Oh, you know, macaron production, commercial macaron production and get some sort of any information that's going to be viable for your business because it doesn't exist. I, I mean, no really any, any product that you are manufacturing yourself, right? Like, so it's, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. Correct. It's like when you're making the product, I think that's what we were in the trenches, you know, figuring so out we spent pretty much 2019 figuring out production process. Um, 
hiring too many people at one time, hiring not enough at some times. Um, and yeah, but I feel like we finally just right at the beginning of 2020 had this just moment of like everything is compounded and we feel like there's a flow in the kitchen. We've got macarons cranking out at this, this expected time. Um, and then Corona hit. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say yeah. our macarons lend themselves beautifully to the event industry. Yes. Weddings, um, corporate events. You want to put your logo on something. You want to have a gift favor. You know, uh, any event of size, um, a, a store launch. Um, yeah. So all that's gone away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really I mean, it's amazing. And I could go down this tangent for a while, but it's amazing yeah. how many businesses may be in one industry, yes. but then are impacted by other industries so greatly. Like you are correct right. in this kind of luxury pastry business, but right. then that seems like something that individuals might be buying mm-hmm. but then you're tied to this event industry, which right. is not going on. So then that affects a ton of your wholesale sales. I would imagine yeah. larger orders, which is something you right. might not even think about. So everything's kind of affecting one another and having this domino effect currently. Oh, right. Absolutely. And that's where you realize like right. the economy is so, con- you know, each industry is actually connected to each other. And I think that was one of the things that we realized, not that we didn't know, but when Corona hit, we were like, Oh man, 80% of our revenue is events. That's interesting. Wow. And didn't realize that. And here's, a, and, and to just give you an example of that, the first major event that was canceled was for a major national um, bank that we had made this beautiful, I mean, they had this huge conference coming to Dallas and they conference. booked out a hotel, one of the nicest hotels in Dallas. They had, and all of a sudden we get this call and they're like, look, Hey, they're going to cancel the conference. And it was premature in our mind because it, Dallas hadn't really even started feeling like the coronavirus was um, impacting us. So we were like freaking out. I, that was the first moment I had a little bit of panic. I was like, Whoa, this company is willing to walk away from, I mean, I don't even know how much money they had invested, you know, and yeah. the money they spent with us, we couldn't refund them. We already made the macarons. Right. And, um, we, you know, it was a huge order. And so we were like, wow, what do you mean? It's, they were like, well, it's postponed indefinitely. And so we found out that the hotel had to immediately start laying off employees. I mean, they were basically, it was an immediate impact for the hotel industry in Dallas. Yeah. Um, and so to your I'm point, sure I mean, everyone. everyone was affected by that one, you know, event. And so it just, it just goes to show um, how connected we were, we were fortunate. We were like, Hey, look, we made these, if they want to gift it, if they want to gift it to someone, like we have them ready. And so they ended up picking them up and they kind of gifted it to a bunch of their clients and stuff like that. So that oh, that's cool. good. Yeah. yeah. There are ways and to it, get around it. Yeah. And you did mention, I think, you know, the, we have to always be flexible and be willing to pivot. I think that that is something that Nellie and I actually do really well, thanks to our ridiculous upbringing in which change was the only constant. Literally constant states of flux. Um, But, you know, in this, of course, it's been, you know, we've, like I said, we've lost, what, 77% of our revenue. But then we've kind of been leaning into that direct consumer sales, that individual product, just sending gifts, things like that. And it has been so cool to see customers sending gifts to all their friends and family. I mean, it is, it's really remarkable. And we've had our highest quantity, like the, the largest quantity of sales during this, during this time. And granted, the, the price per sale is a lot lower than it would normally be because we're not having, no one's buying enough for a large party. But I mean, that's cool. It's cool and to it's, see that we're- it's cool for our business to see that we can move into that, you know? And then now we have this whole other- you know, stream, which used to be maybe just icing on the cake. And maybe this will make up for a little, a little bit more of our revenue on the macron side. So that's kind of cool. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's always shifting. And one of the other Mm -hmm. things that I think you guys did that was in response to what's going on was you took some kind of pop culture things that are going on right now. You took the Tiger King and you put some handcrafted paintings of their faces on your macarons, which is super cool and super fun and probably not something other luxury pastry brands are really doing. So you've been able to kind of like take current events and twist them and use them to make yeah. something yeah. more original and creative and, and totally. fun for people during this yeah. time. Where, like, fun is maybe not what everybody's feeling, but no. you provide a little of that. It yeah. is a way, yeah, we really kind of thought it was like a way to have some fun. And and then of course we were, honestly, those Tiger King Macs, like Natalie was real resistant to making them because she didn't <laughs> watch it. And I was like, we're making those fucking Macs. Um, <laughs> and sure enough, they were like keeping us afloat during that, t- you know, two week period. They were, where it was, loved them. there was no sales coming in. And so, and, and honestly, that was just kind of like a happenstance thing. But, but to your point, I think there is something to be said. And we really do try to always like look at like what's trending and do it our way. Um, a, a big part of our business is obviously looking at like fashion trends, uh, runway trends and taking that and putting that in it. So macrons are like our art, one of our artistic they media. Are. And I mean, I think at the end of the day, the intention behind everything is to give the people what they want. And so it's like, you know, I think that's my goal. Give like, the I people what I, they want. Really, I, I want. There's something so joyful about gift about pastries. Like it's a joyful occurrence. And you know, yeah, we've had some sad things happen too. And like people will give them as a gift of a little bit of joy. And so, you know, we try to be, we try to be intentional with our collections. And so we had, um, yeah, we had the Tiger King collection, which was again, just kind of fun and just like lighthearted. And then we had the Hope collection, which had little cute phrases on it, like stay, what were they? Like uh, stay strong. Stay strong. And these are still available, Hope by wins. the way. Hope wins, you know, just, and just like uplifting, uplifting things. So, um, yeah, I, that's been fun for us. And I think the beauty of a small business is that we don't have to go through a lot of red tape to get these things up and live on our site. Sarah and I work in tandem 24 seven with our incredible creative assistant, um, Emily, who the three of us really are just maintaining the ship through everything. And the three of us, it's, it's cool. We each have our, our strengths and, and we rely heavily on each other. And we've been able to kind of get things to market, I think quicker than if we had a bigger, bigger company. Bigger team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think right now it's, it's a time that is good to be a small business in some respects. Some small businesses aren't, aren't so lucky depending on what yeah. Yeah. you're in. But I think in a lot of ways, if you're a small and able to shift and pivot without having to deal with a large workforce, it's an yeah. advantage right now in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. It's a hundred percent like survival and be lean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, we don't pay ourselves yet. So then there's like, we don't have the burden of a lot of paper. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. We figured out a way to live real minimally. Just <laughs> a, a non-for-profit macaron. I mean, honestly. We're like, but, yeah. let's please turn that into profit. I know. <laughs> we will say though, like that's the other kind of, I mean, you might get to this, but the flip side of our business, which is, you know, content creation. And um, we do a lot of photography. We do all of our photography in house. We, um, and I guess you'd consider us influencers. We do influencer marketing. That's truly been a kind of a blessing too, because there's a lot of right now, unfortunately, there's not a lot of paid partnerships that we're getting because of the time, but the gifted products, it kind of like keeps us fed, keeps us dressed, you know, yeah. and, and people don't, I think people look at that like, Oh, this industry, you know, I don't know. I think there's some negative connotations towards influencers, but the reality is we only work with brands that we care about that we want to, that we would normally incorporate into our life. And for us, it's like, you know, we're the brokest and the happiest we've ever been in our lives, but you know, we don't have a lot of extra income. So, um, it's kind of a, it's a perfect trade, I think for us and brands. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So what are your plans moving forward? I'm sure you probably had one set of plans coming into 2020 and I'm sure they've shifted a bit as, as we keep going, but what are your goals for, you know, your business and your brand? Yeah. I, I think Natalie and I both agree, like on the long term, we, the birds is a brand that's like here to stay. Like this is our life, you know, career. It's not like we're just macarons or we're just influencers or whatever. We can do so much under this brand. And we're already talking about like new products that we could kind of bring to market. Things Um, that we actually had probably tabled for a while out of just sheer busyness. Like there's some merchandise that we've been really wanting to put out there. And Sarah's creative skill set lends itself really well to taking on a couple outside clients right now, like temporarily. I think that's something that Sarah's able to do. uh, Yeah. And in the short term, I think in the, in this 2020, I think we're going to put a new arm to our business, which would be the We The Birds creative agency and start building up a graphic design and web design clientele. That is my background. And I've always had freelance clients, you know, on the side. And that's something reality that I, is, and I, demand is, is always there. And Sarah's just super humble and like, will always like push it off and send it to other, you know, creatives in the community because she doesn't want to do that. But now she's realizing. I'm just realizing that that's actually a scalable model. And, you know, when people are asking, they like love our brand and they want you know, something that maybe is theirs that kind of, you know, it has our touch on it. I'm like, oh, fuck, we should do that. You know, so I'm, that's kind of our leaning into that. Leaning into that. And then we have, um, the reason we're being kind of weird is we have one other idea that's another product that um, it will be a food related product. Right. And we're not really we, ready to share yet. Yeah. But, but we're really excited about it. We're excited to bring another product to market. It'll be a little more durable in terms of like macarons are incredibly delicate and difficult to ship. Only two day shipping. Um, Just one, the biggest fucking high maintenance <laughs> product yeah. of all time. But uh, this one's a little more durable, but similar to something I'm really passionate about. It's got a Natural. little bit of a health, yeah. healthy uh, twist to it. And yeah, so we're just excited to kind of test that out. And on, on a, just, you know, since this is like a, entrepreneur podcasts on a very like practical level 2020 we're gonna fucking pay off our credit card debt and <laughs> i don't care what i have to do really yeah okay but this yeah. is my goal this i is like my goal. that that's an ambitious goal and a good it's one it's so ambitious <laughs> but like yeah, and then the, the, the we can't pay ourselves over here is like what in my mind we can't pay ourselves until we get out of our credit card debt because we're paying so much in interest yeah yeah, yeah. i think you're right and i think that's smart and i also think you're smart to be thinking of your brand with these multiple brands underneath mm-hmm. it. You know, coming up with a business that can perform on different levels because yes. times like these right. are going to happen again in our exactly. life. You know, this is exactly. one one thing happening. We're probably yeah. 10 years from now going to have something else that happens. And, and it will affect a different part of business. So this idea of setting up your company to have multiple mm-hmm. revenue streams is really yeah. a smart way of looking at it. And I think... For any business owner, it's like a really good lesson. If you can think of different ways to have your company bring yeah, in right. revenue in different streams, yeah, a really, really smart way to start thinking about. Well, thank it. you. Yeah, yeah. I and, will say it's like also something that we, we, we have to look at what we have. What assets do we have? So we have a commercial kitchen. Like we literally invested so much in this commercial kitchen. We have a beautiful studio space with creative desk. I mean, we. So what do we have, and what skills do we have? And so it's it's, it's less about like oh like you know, we can, we can get creative and come up with a ton of ideas, but we're trying to maximize to your point, different streams of revenue within, within this framework of what we've already built and what we've already invested in. And so that's kind of been why it's taken us maybe a minute, but, um, well, and, and I think like, I was going to say that being a multifaceted business 
in, in the beginning, sometimes people are like, what on earth does We the Birds do? Because you do all these different things. But, and, if, and for a while, we really forced ourselves to choose. We were like, we are a French macaron bakery and, you know, lifestyle influencers, content creators. But now I'm kind of like, I think there is such a beauty to being able to shift and evolve. And we do have these different streams of revenue. So yeah, I'm just kind of reiterating what you were saying, but there's a, you know, a pro and a con, obviously a plus side. And yeah, the con is that you, we feel like insane humans, insane people. I'm like, by the way, let's just remember that we're running two full fledged businesses under one umbrella and acting like it's one. It's like, Uh, yeah, there's only two of us, you know? So, I mean, sometimes we have to kind of just give ourselves a break because it is a lot of work. It's a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of just, keeping up with the emails, et cetera. Mm. But it's also incredibly important because to your point, if we were just, if we were only one industry and that industry is for some reason, like if we were just doing French macarons, we would be fucked right now. So, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, so it's, it's great. I mean, I do, I encourage everyone to like try to have multiple streams of revenue because you just never know. And really thinking about what you can leverage that you already have, like Natalie was saying, like there's so many things you can do with like the assets that you have and then leveraging those. Right. And that's what I would encourage every small business that I've been talking to or listening to on you know, podcasts or the news. It's like, sometimes I think people get scared immediately. The fear hits where you're like, Oh my gosh, all I know is how to do X. All I know how to do is make French macarons for big events. It's like, mm-hmm. And then there's that panic and fear. And then if we just step outside of that and realize, whoa, like, first of all, I started this from nothing. Like this, I was doing something before that, right? And it's like, you kind of start to realize, okay, what can I do? How can I kind of just adapt that one thing I know I'm good at? And, and I think that it's just important that we kind of expand our minds right now because we have time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. And, you know, just try to evolve with the, the world's going to keep changing. So just yep. to try to change with it and evolve where you can and find new spaces of opportunity wherever you can. Yeah. yeah. And think about like what it is that, like another thing is consumer behavior. Look at yourself. Sarah and I always look at what we're buying or what we're creating or what we're doing. Like that's the best example of like, what is the demand? Well, what are we yeah. doing? Yeah. What, do I, we, you know, what do we all need right now? Right now? Need or am I not? Am I cooking a ton right now? You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. yeah. We all probably need a gift right now. And yeah. we all probably want something that makes us feel good. Right. <laughs> so, yes. Macarons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much, Sarah and Natalie, thank for you. chatting with me today. I think your brand is really beautiful and really inspiring. And I think everybody should go check it out at wethebirds.com. Thank and you. buy some French macarons or buy them for me and ship them here. We're going to get you a box. Don't ASAP. You oh, yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to share them with my mother. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I know. A lot, that's what a lot of people are like. So do I share? Do I not share? We'll get people email us. Be like, I had to hide them from my husband. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just I put my name on things that I don't want my husband to take from the cabinet. Like all the snacks that are like chocolate, say Katie on them. I love that. That's great. <laughs> oh, you're a chocolate girl. All right, we got you. Yeah, we yeah, love what we're you're doing at this podcast. Yes. I think that this podcast is like, we were so excited. Um, to, we submitted ourselves part of it. Part of this. I mean, yeah. I think what you're doing is so special. Thank you. Yeah. Same all around. Yeah. Mutual love. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much.